It's time to dig a little deeper. Yeah, looking forward to it today. Where are we going? Well, we're going to, uh, the topic is, the topic is choose power over polish, Jesus over juicy topics. And I guess where we're going to go is um, looking at our Christian witness in the context really of the current cultural wars and I guess particularly social media, the ability to have a platform that was never there before. Um, And of course, we do see it. We all see it. We see Christians drawn in to feel compelled to comment. I know I've felt that, Paul. It's almost like your Christian duty to to put it out there about stuff you disagree with. And um, the only thing to note is that when you defend morals, even if you're not meaning to, you 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 take the moral ground. And the problem with the moral ground, the moral high ground, is that it's hard to hold when your team or yourself continuously scores own goals. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem with taking the, the moral high ground. I, I love how you, you phrase it like that because I think we've all seen sometimes well-meaning Christians score own goals that leave you going, oh, no. I yeah, know. <laughs> so, you know, being it can be as simple as just being unloving in the public space, you know, mm. and, uh, of course, the, you know, the... The difficulty with social media, etc., is there's no relationship necessarily there. So, you know, you, you might be saying stuff that is accurate truth-wise. They might be truth bombs, but there there ain't no love attached to a truth bomb in that sense. And um, so being unloving, presenting Jesus as a tribal warlord, you know, that he's our banner, we're going to war on this. Um, miscellaneous indiscretions, particularly from leaders, they, they all of those things make the moral high ground very, very hard to hold. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's no longer a, 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 a sacred space that we... No, and, no. And honestly, it, it, I think it just it opens your life up to comment too. If yeah. It seems to. If you want to take the moral high <laughs> ground, people are going to start looking for moral uh, crap. And so they should. Yeah. And so they should. And so they will find. And they will. <laughs> um, if, you're, uh, if you're one of those broken vessels or earthen vessels that Paul talks about, uh, they will find the cracks. And so the problem is it boils down to what might be well-meaning Here's Bible truth. It can often boil down to just judgment from afar with no ability to really make real difference in someone's life. So choosing power over polish, Jesus over juicy topics. Mm-hmm. Before we jump in, thanks again for being amazing supporters. We love hearing from you guys. Make sure to send us questions if you want to be a part of the conversation. I feel like this might be a spicy one today mm, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you might have something to say about. So don't say it on Facebook. Say it to us. Let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you. Hey, we're in the public domain. so We are. I mean, people have at it. They have at it at the end of the day. You know, this whole thing it is such a frustrating paradox, I think, um, you know, that You see things that you know are wrong. You see things that you know scripture has something to say to. Um, And it can be a really frustrating paradox. I think, honestly, that just blurbing truth out into the ethernet is sort of like it's how you can be totally right and dead wrong at the same time sometimes. Yeah. It's easy to point out what is wrong, but to offer no practical help to those caught in the issue is not necessarily helpful, loving, or Christ-like. And, and I think, because I've been challenged with this stuff too and, and feeling like that there is this sense of I need to fight for what's right. I need to stand up for what I believe in. Mm. And maybe what I've come back to is 
maybe there is a space sometimes to comment, mm. but but what am I going to be known for? I, yeah. I really need to make sure that what I'm known for is not opinions on controversial things yeah, yeah, yeah. and what I'm known for <laughs> is is the love of God. So. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, Facebook scripture posts that challenge the world's behaviour. Yeah. It's like, well, I could argue, you know, that most scripture is intended to be read by a believing church, not an unbelieving world. Yeah. So why you're throwing scripture at them, I'm not really you're sure. probably not going to be convicted by <laughs> something as, they as, don't agree with. Yeah, that's it. They don't believe it anyway. So, in, in you know, about all you can achieve is to ruffle feathers and burn bridges doing that, I think. Yeah. Different in the church, in church context. They're different. That's different. I mean, we're meant to believe the scripture. And so, and and it is our rule of authority and practice. So scripture definitely has something to say to Christians, but, um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, it has a lot to say to the world, but what is the vehicle is, and the public space and social media particularly is not necessarily the vehicle. Yeah, it definitely is something that we need to learn to exercise wisdom in. And that's what today's about. So we're going to run through just a couple of recent, because this is something I feel God personally has been dealing with with me. We were overseas recently, and as we travelled, this was just something coming through my journaling. So I've got a couple of simple journaling uh, posts here that sort of that speak to this issue, and it's how God sort of spoke to my own heart. And I really trust it's going to bless you today and encourage you and help you in, you know, getting your mind around who you should be in the public space. So <clears throat> here's some context. The apostles are preaching and the priests and the Sadducees and some temple guard come along. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 2, that they were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so that was the topic. These guys are about to get in social trouble, you know. So even though this was within a religious system, you've got to understand Israel was a religious system. Right. It was not a secular state. It it was really a theocracy. It was meant to be, uh, but then it became a kingdom, and so everything is in the context of church world in a sense. But this is this makes this even more pertinent even more pertinent. Um, and just a bit of background, the Sadducees, of course, they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. So this really got up their nose. Right, they were yeah. a sect that did not, and Jesus clashed with them and said, you know, what is what is um, what does Scripture say that the God of Abraham, he's talking about it like Abraham's alive and, and you know, so Jesus sort of argued with them. Uh, that's the context. And then it, we drop down to verse 14, uh, sorry, verse 13, and then verses 18 to 20. Um, and this is after Peter and John had rebutted their attack. They dragged them aside into a side room. We're going to put them on trial. Instead of them being intimidated, they preached Jesus right there to these, this antagonistic group of leaders and people who had real power to hurt them. Mm. And it says at the end of it, the conclusion was, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized 
that they had been with Jesus. It's almost, it's like an admission Mm -hmm. of the resurrection right there. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. In other words, he was given him. (laughs) He just put them between a rock and a hard place. I mean, there is, there's only one answer to that. Um, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Mm. And just some quick observations, you know, they're untrained. Well, that was a question mark to me. Hadn't Jesus trained them? Hadn't Jesus discipled them? Uh, It's just obvious that Jesus wasn't worried about the spit and polish. Right. I think as these guys look at them, they're thinking, these are garden variety Galileans, Mm. you know, but boy, they're eloquent and they're, they're bold. Something else is happening here. I think that's cool that you see, like, obviously, like, you got to remember that this is written post their time with Jesus, Mm. post being discipled. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and I'm just thinking now, like, I often think, oh, you know, when Jesus found them, they were untrained ordinary. But actually, when Jesus (laughs) ascended, they were still, he didn't change who they were. No. Um, He just layered, added layers to them and and brought stuff more clearly through them. And and honestly, I think ministry training is great, but the problem is sometimes it just sterilizes people. Right. So these guys did not have the spit and polish, but what they did have was power. Yeah. They had resurrection power operating through them, power of the spirit on them, and the polish wasn't there. And, you know, I love it. These guys didn't fit the system and Jesus didn't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He knew they had what the system didn't. He knew they had power. And, you know, as, as we stop and think about this passage for a moment. I mean, as uneducated, untrained people, you can only imagine how intimidating it would have been to fall into the hands of like the religious social snobbery. Mm. Um, and it was condescending snobbery that had very real power over them, real power to harm. Mm. And yet they didn't blink. And of course, this was just a huge witness. And I don't know, I think it does speak to where we're at at the moment in our society. Like, honestly, the the identity politics particularly – it's so intimidating, you know, and basically it's it's got to a point where it's like even now if you even if you present the science, you're in the gun, mm. you know. So this is an intimidating environment. They are in an intensely physically intimidating environment. As I said, these power had these people had real power to do harm, um, and yet they say we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard, unapologetic and courageous. But hang on a sec. What what did they speak about is the key question to ask here. Yeah. They spoke about Jesus and the resurrection. Mm. They weren't, even though they were in a very twisted socio-political mess with Greek culture fighting against, you know, their Jewish heritage, with Roman oppression, with an out-of-control, corrupt religious system, you know, by and large, all of this is going on. They had so many social, political issues they could have commented on. Mm, yeah. But they're only preaching one thing. Yeah, yeah. Jesus and the resurrection. And I'm like, wow, that has got to speak to us. Yeah. It's got to speak to the average garden variety Christian in the trenches. Mm. What is my message? Yeah. What is my message? And and notice it says we can only speak the things we've seen and heard. In other words, they stuck with what, what they'd experienced of Christ. Yeah. They didn't try and become clever politicians 
or clever social commenters, they stuck with their experience of Christ. And I've often thought, ah, oh, I wish I had a better argument for that, or I wish I, <laughs> I wish I had a clearer way to explain that. I wish I whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think I've just come to realize that that experience is more. There's more power in your experience. Mm-hmm. You know, people can have great arguments about whatever. You know, you yeah. can you can logic bully someone and not necessarily be right. Mm. But it's really hard to argue with someone's experience, especially when you can see it. Yeah. You know, just like we saw the 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 religious leaders with the disciples. And they it's like they couldn't deny they they realize these people have been with Jesus. Yep. When, when people look at us and there's something compelling about the way we live, um, and we share what we've seen, I feel like that's a much more powerful Come witness than it. you know, being right on political yeah. topics. And look, there is always a time to open your mouth, but that is through relationship. Yeah. You know, now some people, and I'll address this at the end, but some people are gifted in that space. And I support them. Mm-hmm. I support them, the James McPhersons of this world and others, you know, that he's a good friend, he goes hard, he's very articulate, he's trying to present language that can that we can use mm-hmm. in a sense, but maybe don't try mimic him. Yeah. I know that guy. He's just an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. He's so skilled. He's such a leader. He's such a wordsmith. I know I'm not that. Yeah. And so I need to operate in my space. And I guess what I'm saying is, for me personally, I feel like God's been saying, Chris, just stay in your lane. Mm. And and I, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening that, you know, you get frustrated with this stuff. It's Some of it's just diabolical, some of the stuff that's happening in Australian, you know, politi- politics and the media. And and yet you can be – and you're so tempted to move out of your lane and you might find yourself moving in a lane that you don't have grace to run with. Yeah. So, you know, maybe if you if you if you unless you absolutely know your grace to run in that lane, then just support people who do run in that lane. Yeah. And maybe even from behind the scenes support them. Support them in real ways, you know, finance mm. them, do whatever you got to do. But avoid being known as you said for what you're against rather than what you're for. And even just if I could touch on that really quick, because I agree there's people that are gifted for it, but coming back to the wisdom of um, a, of a Christian like me, maybe, a, mm-hmm. a, a Christian who, and, and maybe if we're just specifically talking about social media, if, if I want that to be a bit of a witness to people, mm-hmm. I've got to make sure I'm posting more than just political stuff. Yeah, even yeah, if it yeah. is other people and even if it is great and it's articulate, I don't want to be known for that. I don't That's want my it. friends to be like, oh, it's another political thing that Levi's sharing. Yeah. You know, for me, it's I want to see I want them to see my family. I want them to see my faith. I want yeah. them to see what I'm for, not yeah. just what I think is wrong with the world because everyone's got an opinion on what's yeah. wrong with the yeah. world. And look, some of the, I, I agree. Some of the stuff that I read, I want to post every article. Mm. It's like people need to know this. You know, people who've actually done the research and are just revealing some of the lies out there for what they are. And it's like, everyone needs to know this. I've noticed on my Facebook, because I still occasionally put them up because that is what I believe. And I'm not afraid of what I believe. But I notice, you know, I might I might get five likes. Yeah. I put something up on my family. I get 160. Yeah. And I think it's actually, it's not about likes or anything. I just, I read that room and I think people are actually intimidated and I think they're also just waterlogged. I think there's just so much 
commentary out there and rubbish flying around um, that they just they just scroll past because they just can't handle any more bad news. Mm. They just even even if it's truth, they just can't do it. Yeah. And um, and so we've got to really focus in on what we can be effective at. Uh, again, if you're not called to that space, then Jesus is the rec- and the resurrection is your lane. Yeah. If yeah. you've experienced Christ, if you've experienced forgiveness, the mercy of God, the grace of God, mm. the ability for God's power to lift you up out of the mud and the, the rubbish and the brokenness and set your feet on a rock and get you building a life that's worthwhile, man, that's your lane. Yeah, that's yeah. the resurrection power of Jesus working through you. Yeah. So when I come to the end of my study, here was some of my convictions. I must choose power over polish in my own life, both in my life and in those I disciple, those that, I, that I'm sowing into, that I'm encouraging to learn and grow. I'm, I'm just determined. I think I've always been reasonable at that, but it, again, it was just like God bringing me back to center. Choose power over polish. Where is the resurrection of power of, of Christ at work? And if things are a bit rough around the edges, if people are a bit rough around the edges, don't don't even worry about it. Jesus didn't. I need to let Him do the transformational process. I just need to encourage people to move in resurrection power. Mm, yeah. um, definitely, I had the thought of needing to stop being intimidated by those who seem gifted or powerful. And that's exactly what they were facing. They were facing the really trained ones. When they said they're untrained, it's because they were comparing them with themselves. Right. And so we can find ourselves in those spaces where it's like, oh, I wouldn't dare say anything here. And they, these people would just think I was a weirdo if I started. No, friend, there's power talking about the resurrection. Yeah, you know? yeah. Not in arguing doctrine, arguing scripture. Everyone's got a different argument. What, what you won't find too much argument with is your personal experience. Exactly. This is what Jesus did in my life. You can believe it or not. You can take it or leave it. I don't mind. But this is my story. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Um, the third thing was to choose to really be unapologetic and courageous when it comes to my experience of Christ, which I guess is the same as the one above. And then lastly, really, to resist the temptation to become a social commentator. You know, my job is death and resurrection. Mm. That's my lane. You know, yeah. not just as a pastor, but as Christopher Christian. My lane is I met Jesus sometime in February 1986 and he totally changed my life yeah. on a scale I cannot believe. I still look back now over, you know, 37 years of following Christ, 38 years of following Christ, and I'm just so grateful mm. that Jesus rescued me. I'm so grateful his resurrection power is at work in me to this day in spite of my foibles, my ups and downs. The one constant has been Jesus and his yeah. resurrection power. That's something worth talking about. Yeah, and people need to hear that. People need to know that. <laughs> yeah. and, and not to, like, you know, aggressively push it on people or, mm-hmm. you know, obviously picking the right time and picking the right moment and mm-hmm. and, and praying for the right words. Mm-hmm. Um, but that needs to be known. Mm. And it would be a shame if you only told that story once every year, whereas every other week you're sharing some other story about something political yeah. or whatever it be. Yeah, yeah, so true. And so let's move to part B. And part B for me, if you don't mind, is another journal entry. And again, I just felt like two days in a row, literally, (laughs) the Spirit of God spoke to my heart about this issue and about me personally. But again, I think there's value in this. 
it's out of Acts 4 again. It's verses 29 30. It's kind of the, the end of this story when they go back and pray. And it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Mm. Okay, So if you look at the context of this, it's a continuation of the story. They were being persecuted, yet they desired to speak out. And about Jesus, again, their whole agenda is Jesus here. Yeah. Like we, we're going to, with all boldness, speak your word. Well, we know what that word was. Mm. You go back to Acts 4, verse 2, and they were speaking about Jesus and the resurrection. Yeah. And now they're saying, Holy Spirit, come and move in power and confirm your word. And that's, mm. can I just say a side note, that's where the power is. The power is not in your social commentary, unless you're called to it. If you're anointed to that, mm. if God has said, I've put a gift in you, you know, you're a, you're a journalist, you're a whatever you are, you're called and gifted to be a social commentator. And I think there's a number of great, both Christian and non-Christian, secular social commentators that really are truth seekers. Mm. Um, uh, but if, if that's not you, then then this is your message. Mm. It is, and this is where the Holy Spirit's power will manifest through you. Yeah. You know, for those guys, if they're in there running in their lane, God's power will be with them. Mm. And for the average garden variety Christian, it's not going to be that. It's going to be, I'm a dynamic witness in my marketplace, my workplace, my family, my street, my neighbours, the childcare centre, the school when I drop my kids yeah. off. That's my mission field yeah, primarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... They recognised the key for people's hearts opening up was God moving in miraculous power. And, you know, I think that's true right now. Our society is cynical in general, and it's growingly hostile toward faith, without a doubt. And, you know, for me, I, I do desire to speak out, and I do pray that God would do miracles. What's critical is that I speak out about Jesus and the resurrection and not sort of be tempted to run in another lane mm. like social commentary. And I just keep coming back to that because I think it's so easy to get caught up in it yeah. and so many good Christian people have and get frustrated, sometimes get shot down, sometimes, you know, repost something that they actually don't have the background knowledge on so they can't defend it when they're asked mm. questions about it, yeah. that kind of stuff. It sort of reveals just how shallow the attempt is. Mm. Um at trying to make a change or make a difference or enlighten people. And I think the issue is too, some, some of these topics are really, there's stuff that you need to talk about face-to-face if you want to talk about That's it. That's it, And yeah. unfortunately, I think where maybe some Christians have shot themselves in the foot is they've closed so many doors they don't even realise they've closed. Yeah, They've yeah. posted something, yeah. three people like it, and they think That's good. But yeah. you don't see how many people thought, oh, yeah. there's another post yeah. from that person, I'm unfollowing them. You know, I'm not, yeah. or I'm just, okay, I'm not ever going to ask their opinion on this yeah. because some of these things are so, and maybe it's one of the frustrations that different generations have now with each other, how yeah. how things can be said that are so inflammatory that it just instantly closes the door, Yeah, which, you know, obviously- With, with Gen Z particularly and, yeah, and yeah. Gen Alpha. But mm. rather than, and, and obviously there's a point to- where it needs to be discussed, but mm. rather than raging against that, it's like, mm. well, we got to engage with people where they're at. 
Mm. And we can't have a conversation if we've already closed the door by saying something that's, you know, inflamed something with them to the point that they don't want to listen. So true. And and I think also that I think it was a great point that you made, Christians unwittingly close doors. I think if they get hammered, if they get put themselves out there and they're a bit out of their depth and they get hammered in an argument or in a, you know, getting sledged or whatever, they can actually they can actually miss their very real mission field by being bullied on the cyber one, which right. is really a non-existent mission field for them. Yeah, yeah. They don't have the cred. They don't have the reach or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've just got a few friends that God would like them to reach. But in trying to reach them through the wrong vehicle, mm. they actually also close the, the right vehicle, whether that's the friends saying, I don't want to hang around them, or whether they just become silent. So they find themselves it, in yeah. rooms that they could have actually said something and they could have had a relational conversation that they could show their heart, they could mm. show their concern for for the individual or the topic and that they're not just shallow, that they're a thinker, that they're, they're moved by this and they're passionate about it. All of that stuff that can come through in a room personally that does not come through a social media post. Yeah. But the sad thing is in trying to manoeuvre in the wrong field of endeavour, yeah. they can actually close doors that God has got for them. Mm. Um, unwittingly, and they get browbeaten, so they shut down. They go, well, I put it out there and I got shot down, so I'm not game to speak. And it's like, hang on a sec, you're in a different room now. Mm. You're actually skin on skin now. You're sitting elbow to elbow with your friends around a dinner table, and if they want to go there or these things come up, mm. this is the time. And you know, well, Not to be cranky and negative. Or, this is the time to go, this stuff really concerns me because yeah. I'm, and again, coming from the frame of, I, my Christian faith makes me believe that God wants people to live fully human and I don't see full humanity in this. Mm. I see it's less than. Yeah, I, I think the bigger issue than people shutting down when they get browbeaten is them finding the wrong enemy. <laughs> where now they're fighting the people that they, they're supposed to reach and yeah, they're arguing yeah. with the people that they're supposed to be loving. They're posting inflammatory stuff that's offending the people that they're supposed to be agents of reconciliation to. I think that's the the bigger issue. Yeah. Having conversations with people who, you know, um, about the wrong thing. Like you said, yeah, what, yeah. why aren't we talking about the resurrection? Can we talk about Jesus, why please? Why aren't we talking about Jesus? <laughs> why aren't we talking about the hope that he yeah. has for your future? Yeah, it's like of, of all things for the Christian to talk about, for many Christians, Jesus is the hardest one. And it's like it that's should the, be the core. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's the you know. And we've got to be discreet. I'm, I'm you know, I, we've got to be discreet. We've got to read the room. We've got to be, a, you know, a little bit articulate. But if we go back to our story and what Jesus has done in our heart, mm. that is always the easiest bridge. Yeah. It's always the easiest bridge. And I find, like, for example, when someone will say to me, like a common question I'll get in the marketplace from unchurched people is, is about the ministry. Mm. And I've learned it's a real trap to answer it, honestly. So, you know, how did you become a pastor? I love the question. So how did you end up doing what you do? It's a bit of an unusual occupation. I start in 1986. Right. That's where I start. I don't start with, oh, I was in a church service and I felt God call me. (laughs) I start with, I was a lost young man. Yeah. 21 years of age. I'd experienced a 
way too much life for a 21-year-old. Mm. And I was actually a bit burnt out on life and relationships and drugs and everything that promised would be awesome had turned out not to be mm. over the last six or seven years of my life. And one night I walked into a church and I heard about Jesus in a really clear way mm. and I just knew Jesus is what I needed and I did not know what that would do. Yeah. The impact that that would have is still resounding through my life and eventually ministry became part of that, but it's way bigger than that. Mm. I never would have been able to build the marriage I've had yeah. for a start. I never would have lived the life I've had. I would have never had the life experiences I've had. I would never think about people the way I think about people mm. if it hadn't been for one night at a 5 p.m. service in Toowoomba in yeah. 1986. And, <laughs> and like, yeah, now why do you do your job? So that other people can experience that. Exactly. I live for people to meet Jesus the way and for Jesus power to work in them the way it's worked in me yeah. because I honestly am convinced it's the best life can be for anyone. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's compelling. It's interesting. People care. People are drawn in. People mm. can see the truth in it. And, you know, I just think when people are posting other stuff, if we're talking about Facebook or talking mm -hmm. about things that it's just like, yeah, it, I love what Shane Willard says. He says it about maybe in a different context, but says, how boring yeah. How boring that you want to be talking about that. And sometimes I see things people post and I just want to comment. Yeah. How boring. boring. Yeah, can we yeah. talk about what God's done in your yeah, life? Yeah. Can we talk about how you, you know, whatever your story was. Let's talk about that stuff, not just talk about, I don't know. That's it. Cheap commentary. That's it. The juicy topics. So what we're talking about is Christian witness in the context of the current cultural wars. Mm. And to sum it up, you know, some people are called to social commentary. They're gifted for that area. They are, and we should support them. The average Christian isn't. The average garden variety Christian wants to live their life, experience life, have good friends. Maybe they want to get married. If they do, they want to build a good marriage and they want to put a roof over their family's head and they want to get their kids educated and try and be a good person and live a good life. That's, you know, and along the way, as we go, we're able to share the most important message the world has ever heard, that Jesus Christ can touch and change a human heart and put the power of his spirit in you, the resurrection power of the spirit that can make you a brand new person. And that transformational process can continue your whole life long. You know, so... That's what the average Christian is gifted for. Mm. Actually, it's what we are commanded to talk about yeah. is Jesus and the power of his resurrection life. Um, so I would say here's a challenge too is, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, but how important it was, especially in, in Bible times, to keep the conversation going. So the challenge maybe is rather than trying to answer all the questions or, or give answers to everything, maybe just work on keeping the conversation about Jesus going. That's it. Ask more questions than you give answers. Hey, it's Dan from Gundawindi. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, why don't you share it around, pass it on to your wife, your family, your kids, whatever. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for next week's episode, go out and chase a few pigs like we do out in Gundawindi. Go and shoot something, uh, preferably animal, feral. But thanks again. Catch you later. God bless.